0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Guy Holliday, wide receivers coach at Utah. He's on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. You can visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Guy, good morning. (laughs)
1: Good morning. How are you guys doing today?
0: Uh, You know, we're all right. It hasn't been the best three months, certainly. There's been a lot going on, and we could probably talk to you for a couple hours because when we have talked to you (laughs) up at the U, you know, for people who don't know you, you know, you grew up in Baltimore, uh, you went to college in Pennsylvania, and you've coached all over the country, you know, starting with some small schools and then, you know, some bigger schools. uh, But you've been in Atlanta, in Alabama, in Michigan, you got to the SEC at Michigan State. Cornell, so you've been in the Ivy League, and then UTEP, BYU, and Utah. So you've recruited a lot of people. You've been in a lot of parts of the country. You know things aren't the same everywhere, but there's common stuff. And before we get to all the coronavirus stuff, which we want to get to as the school reopens, you're like everybody else. You've been watching and listening to what's going on. And I'm just curious, you know, a lot of it's been discussed, but are there points that are getting missed? Are there points you really want to emphasize?
1: Yeah, I I, I think it does. If you look at it, I mean, I was born in '68, so um, I did it or '69, actually, I did it. And um, you know, I've seen the civil unrest before. uh, People, you know, and and I grew up in with rocks hair over. over uh, police brutality or what appeared to be police brutality at that time. And then when you go back, and I think we don't, again, we ignore things that that don't pertain to us. And um, in L.A., I was actually, I started school in, in Los Angeles, and I was actually in California doing the, um, the NWA, when they came out with "After the police and, and people were, they're so radical. They're so, but when you live in those communities and your relationships have deteriorated over time, um, with the people who are charged to serve and protect you, um, there's definitely, you know, a discord between the two. Um, now with that said, my experiences, I've had experiences on both sides. I've had experiences, uh, uh, with the police when I was young that that weren't healthy. And I've had, uh, positive experiences being pulled over for a traffic stop and how I was treated. But we, as people want to paint everything into these, uh, circles or these square boxes. Uh, uh, and it's, can be seen right here in our own country, Republican, Democrat, we, you know, I I always sit back and laugh. Well, there's some things that, uh, Democrats do that I really like. There are some things that Republicans do that I really like. There are some things that, uh, Democrats do that I really don't like and vice versa. So I can't always put myself in these square boxes that we want things to be in. So, you know, The civil unrest, I understand. I mean, because I've lived in the community. I've been in people's homes. I've I've come in touch with people, families who've dealt with it. What I can't understand is diluting the crime, because really and truly that just comes down to people who are taking advantage of the situation that's out there. They want to do it anyway, and they're just taking advantage of it. Uh, presented with this opportunity and and they take advantage of it and and you know here in salt lake city you know i've been here seven years eight years now and i'm I'm gonna be totally honest with you uh my perception of utah before i came uh i had to be convinced to come here uh, because utah is not known as a diverse city it's not known as a um A city that is, or a state, I should say a state, uh, uh, Salt Lake City is not known as diverse. And then as a state, Utah is definitely not known as diverse. And then my own um, prejudices against the the Mormon church, I didn't know anything about the Mormon church. And the only thing I knew is that they didn't allow blacks, uh, which being half black and half Samoan, uh into the into the hierarchy of the church until 78, 79, or whenever it ended. And and I you know, like everybody else, I had this negative perception before I came. And then when you get to know people, you know that there are people, uh, and the majority of people that are out there that represent the L D S church aren't aren't prejudiced, you know, uh particularly uh, you know, here and and then but there is a side that still exists that we have to acknowledge, exist, and then we have to deal with it. How do we talk about it, and how do we put plans in action that that helps it dissolve, or you know, states that uh, this is the way it is, and these are our actions taken, and it's proven. And I think what you're seeing right now, uh, you know, we were all pissed. And I, I shouldn't say we. I should say a lot of people were pissed when Colin Kaepernick and a couple other players took a knee. Well, we wanted to define how they protest. It was peaceful, but we never listened to the message. We were upset that they protest. And so now you're dealing with people who are saying, well, if we can't protest peacefully – you know, things aren't changing for us. Nothing changed from the Colin Kaepernick, since the Colin Kaepernick protest, nothing. And there are no actions being put in place that help people feel more comfortable with the system, per se. And until that happens, you're going to have civil unrest. We're going to go right back to this. This is all going to die down. It always does. Um, you're going to have civil unrest again. And people forget in the rioting and in the destruction in the late 60s and all the protests, there was action taken. There was a civil rights voters bill passed. There was uh, more attention paid to equality. And then we kind of just let it go by. And uh, so we have to keep progressing as people. And, uh, you know, I know I read Spike Lee's comments and some people took it as um, as negative but it was very positive because what he was really saying is there are not and if you look at our demographics there is not a large representation of minorities in the state of Utah if you look at the demographics which is all people can look at online but if you're here particularly in Salt Lake City it is extremely diverse so what Spike Lee was saying is that my white brothers and sisters are standing up for equality. And that's something positive, because that's something that in some of the other protests and in the past you didn't see. But now you do, because back in the 60s, you saw it. It was, of course, the uh, Jewish community from up north who was very active in the civil rights movements. And, and so we just need to understand there's two sides of every story, and uh, I wish we could just eliminate the, uh, um, the eluding the, uh, the acts of violence. But we also need a, a uniting voice. You know, we, we can stand there, and I'm, I'm not one, I'm not a political person, say, hey, we gotta be more violent, more aggressive with people. Well, aggression meets aggression. And that's always going to be. And, and the perce- your perception is reality. And at some point, we need calmer voices to come along and say, um, you know, let's sit down at the table. Let's have some serious resolution to the issues. But we first have to acknowledge that the issues exist. And there's so many people in our country that don't even want to acknowledge that, yes, there are some issues within our own country. We're not perfect. How are we going to resolve them? Because that's how this country was built, through resolve. And um, until we do that, I I think you're going to continue to see uh, whether This year, whether it's 10 years from now, you're going to continue to see this civil unrest. And, uh, you know, we all have different stereotypes of what we think. And and the only way you can break the stereotype is drop your guard and get involved one-on-one with the people that you have these concepts about or these fears about. And, uh, you know, and I get it. I get it on both sides of the story. I mean, I grew up in a a very... um, rough neighborhood i mean there's no doubt about it and very confrontational neighborhood, very violent neighborhood and if i was a police officer you know i don't know that i would want to come into my community and uh and not be on edge not be at a heightened awareness uh but with that said i also take a, a you know an oath to serve and protect and uh so you know what you're signing up for and as unfair as it is, it's like the military. You know what you're signing up for. No one said that Iraq or Iran is going to be these safe havens that you go into and nothing's going to happen. But you still have to treat people with calm and respect. And that goes on both sides. And and to me, that is uh, what's lost here, just the calm and respect. And then the, the uh, understanding of each person's position. Instead, now we're using it to divide and conquer uh and and that's that's what's frightening to me because the the these people's stories aren't being heard any longer and and god bless george floyd's family and and him himself who who gave his life but his life is given in vain if we don't have any any resolve to any of this and uh and it can't be just burning and looting stores that's not the way you do it but That's not the only thing happening out there. That's just what's being broadcasted. Um, I actually rode down to to Salt Lake City and and, uh, uh, two days ago we drove. I drove through in the morning and it was really great to see people cleaning the buildings who were some of the protesters and dialoguing with state troopers at the Capitol. And, And just more of that needs to happen, more more of us. Uh, need to understand the frustrations of our young people because they're real and uh this is what they know this is what they think and you know it, it's funny i grew up in a time being a having an african-american mom and having a Samoan dad and having long hair and uh in my community that wasn't accepted so you could only be black it wasn't it people didn't even know what Samoan was or Polynesian was on the east coast and they still Um, um, very rarely do, you know, they, the only thing they know is Hawaiian. And, uh, but my message to everybody is we we need to sit down. We need to try to be understanding, stop condemning each other. And, And let's start to make some positive gains towards what the issues really are. And let's not shut it off. Let's listen. Just because we haven't experienced police brutality or just because we haven't experienced the racial prejudices let's not be so arrogant to say well that really doesn't exist because i haven't seen it uh and i I think that's what we we miss as people you know we want to dismiss people uh based on our own experiences well unfortunately you know in life you don't get to experience everything that everybody else has and uh so we, we need to open up our minds, open up our hearts. And, um, you know, I, I think if we approach this in the right manner, I think Salt Lake City has done an unbelievable job with its police forces and, and how to handle it. And I think other places, you know, there's a criminal element. Let's, let's be honest. And how do you deal with them? You know, I, I don't have all the answers to that. Fortunately, that's way above my pay grade. Uh, but I do notice we need a voice that's unifying, not divisive.
2: Well oh, coach there's only about five hundred things there that I could hit that you just said, but we can't do that. I'll play a one thing that really struck with me when you said when you get to know them and I've always thought that was the key, and then you later mentioned the one on one level. And one of the things that's always fascinated me as we see these people protesting, a lot of them are young people, and they are the demographic, basically, of what a college football team is. And I have seen this time and time again. I lived in Los Angeles in 1992, I was there. My wife taught in South Central, a 90% African American at the school at Washington. And I saw that, well, if you got to know people, they no longer became fill-in-the-blank, whatever ethnicity. They became the person, whatever that person's name is. And I use a great example here. Uh, your high, your football team when you were playing in that Dallas Bowl game and they bring in Troy Williams who had been a senior and started as a junior. We know his story. And he played at Narbonne. My wife actually taught at Narbonne too. I covered Narbonne so I know about that community and he faked that his shoe came untied and he's an African American to let Drew Lisk uh, a Caucasian kid get in the ball game. My kids went to Jordan, so I have both those schools right there. And I look at your football team, and football teams really, is athletic teams across the country. You bring in all these people, young people, and they find ways to get along because they know each other. Isn't that the key? If you look to a sports team, and you guys are, your football team's diverse, they get to know each other, and they're not a black person, they're actually Troy Williams, not a black person, obviously he's black, but he's a person, and Drew Lisk is a white guy. But he's not a white guy, he's Drew Lisk. And these two people knew each other, and they have feelings for them. Is that what it's all about, getting to know people on an individual level?
1: There's no question. You know, sports is one of the um, – it's really funny. You look at Major League Baseball, and, um, you know, in our country, we have a, uh, a very negative – view of uh, in my opinion of the hispanic population and how we view them but you look at major league baseball and hispanics are at the top of major league baseball the hispanic community and we accept them sports is really the unifying uh, uh i guess the unifying Is you know it is one of the only places where regardless of your race uh, regardless of your sex, when you talk about uh, women's sports also, where you can put all these different people in a locker room and uh, and they learn to get along. And uh, and they learn because they're fighting for one cause. Now, they all live their own separate lives, which we understand, but there is a point where I am my brother's keeper. I am my sister's keeper. And you you have that code and you live by it. And it doesn't matter what race you are. And, and you know, I've been fortunate. I, uh, You know, Troy Williams, unbelievable. Uh, you know, Bradley I, who just left the University of Utah. But it goes past that one of the best people I've ever met. Uh, and I'm talking about as a competitor, as an athlete, and as a human being was Taysom Hill. And uh, I have so much respect for him. And, I don't when uh, uh, when Jordan came here with me, uh, Jordan Leslie, and, and that was one of the people that he bonded with, Taysom Hill, you know, and, and so it doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, we sports helps you have a common cause. And until we can find a common ground where we can sit down and be for each other versus against each other. Uh, you know, it's it's not going to change, and that's what sports is—a unifying cause. And uh, it doesn't matter, you know, in a locker room, if you're white, if you're if you're Samoan, if you're Tongan, if you're Mexican, if you're Honduran, if you're black, it doesn't matter. You know what matters? If you can play, and and you're judged on your talent, you're not judged on your color, and uh, and that's where it's different now. You know, one of the things I, I, I think that are, are so important that's really uh, frustrating for me is is that I see that every day. I see young people who get along, who love one another, who, um, you know, will go their own separate ways in life and they'll carry these values with them. So prejudice is taught, okay? The fear of um, the young people who are different than us, who maybe they have uh, long hair that was down in Salt Lake, and maybe they're not your uh, typical, what we classify how a young person should look. Maybe he is a skateboarder. Maybe he is tattooed up. It doesn't make him a bad person. It just makes him different than us. And just, it, it, if he's not, uh, maybe he's Baptist. Maybe he's... Um, maybe. He just doesn't believe. It Doesn't make him a bad person. It just makes him different. And diversity is what makes the world grow. And without, if everybody thought the same and did the same, I, I just don't think we'd be very successful as a country. So we need to start embrace embracing what the country was founded on, and that's our diversity. And 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 embrace embrace the different cultures. And because in each culture, there's something that we can learn. And there's something that that will help us grow as people. But if we stand back and we back up into our corner and put on our our proud uh, chest plate plate of armor and say, my way is the right way, then automatically we're alienating everybody else outside. And until we can become accepting of other people's uh, beliefs, of other people's uh, value systems, of other people's races, and not try to change them into what we want them to fit into this square peg, we're going to or, or square box. We're going to be better off as people, and and start accepting that that we aren't perfect. We're just sitting here judging others instead of uh, helping solve the solution. Because you're right, when you go and you work in the South Central and and uh and I moved from LA in nineteen ninety one and you work in these these different places, you know, you realize that they're just people. When I look at our football team, I don't say, Man, you know, this guy's white or this guy's black. I see a I see a good person that happens to be a really good football player. And and it all starts with are they a good football player? And then you of course look at the person and, and all those but generally most really good players are really good people because they have that work ethic and um, they have the discipline. And, of course, you do have some that, that aren't, but I don't look at them as black, as black or white. I don't walk into my into a staff meeting and say, oh, that's the white coach. He's against the black players. I don't look at it like that. I look at it that we're all there for a common purpose and a common reason. And uh, that's, what makes the, that's why I'm in the sport. That's what makes it fun because I can touch lives regardless of the color.
0: Guy Holiday, Utah wide receivers coach, joining us. And you talk about uh, being down in L.A. or growing up in that neighborhood, you grew up in Baltimore, where you recognize police have to be on edge when they come in. And there's a certain level of desperation there. And I'm just wondering to what degree, yes, a lot of this is about police brutality, obviously. But how much of this is also about hopelessness, and how much of this is about just crushing poverty day after day, not being well, able to eat every day, not having a roof over your head, not having access to transportation or medicine.
1: See, I, I think that's that's a um, probably most valid point. Is that yeah, some of it is, you know, obviously about police brutality, but a lot of it is about the everyday frustration of life and um, you know I was very 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 fortunate in West Baltimore where we um, we had an opportunity we had what was called um, uh, citywide schools that had specific majors and well, you weren't recruited there you had to apply and get in it wasn't like that anybody could just go there it wasn't about sports it wasn't built on sports it wasn't like we just happen to be really good in football and basketball at Dunbar. But what it, it gave you a chance to see was people who looked like you that excelled. Uh, people whose parents were lawyers. People whose parents were doctors. I had my dad. uh died in Vietnam when I was two years old. Never even got to see me. I think I was one and a half to be exact. And never got a chance to see me. And uh, I had a, a family, uh, the Kings uh, and the Matthews, two families. So I went to school with their kids. Well, they both were from two-parent homes. Um, uh, Mr. Marcus, Matthew Marcus, is still alive today. He's in his 90s. Uh, he was a principal at a middle school. And, um, you know, very disciplined and and Marty King, Martin King the third, his dad was Martin King also. Uh, um, his family, his dad was an accountant, owned his own accounting firm. I didn't even know what an accountant was growing up, um, you know. So they just and drove a nice car, but they went to work every day. You know, it wasn't driving a nice car selling drugs on the corner. They they put work in and in their futures, and they went to college, and that's what ultimately helped me decide that college was what I wanted to do because I had a chance to see it. I had a chance to talk to it. I had a chance to touch it. So now you're in communities where uh, basically, you know, with the zone school system, which I understand, but, you know, you don't have in, in Baltimore, Maryland, for instance, for instance, it, you know, even though you grew up in a poverty-stricken community, right next door, uh, within a quarter-mile walk, was a middle-class neighborhood, and within a mile's walk was a upper-class neighborhood. And so, you integrated with these kids in elementary school. You you got to see parents who excelled and kids who lived a different way, and um, it was. It was really moving. It was really moving for me as a young person to know that there is another way out. And, and I think right now what you're seeing in, in the streets that are bearing out is people who, who don't feel there's another way out. They just don't see it. And it's easy living in middle class America, upper middle class America to say, oh, they're so ignorant. They're so ignorant. They're so trifling. They're just no, but you don't live it. You haven't been down there you don't understand, you know, I get it. I I get that drugs has ravaged West Baltimore. I mean, when I go back there, it's moving for me as a person to see a community, you know, uh, or or people that's lost, you know, they they don't have a way out uh, per se, unless they're that one, two, three percent of the people that are motivated uh, in a different way. And, and the other thing that, that has really transpired, you know, when I was growing up in the old um, uh, African proverb, it takes a village to raise a family, to raise a child. Uh, it takes a village to raise a child. We don't do that anymore. We don't get involved in other with other people's children. We don't correct them. We We fear them more than anything now. We don't reach down and take a, a young person under our wing to try to help and guide them. And without guidance, without hope, um, what do you want them to resort to a fictional character on TV? You know, that, Oh, do you want them to be the next Michael Jordan? Because that's in our communities in the African-American community. That's what we glorify mainly LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. You know, we see them. Well, you may not be able to play basketball or football. You know, you may not we need to start glorifying other African Americans, people who look like them that have been successful. And uh we don't do that enough in my opinion. You know, we, we do we glorify athletes uh way too too much in our communities and, and and it's it's unfortunate because those kids don't see another way. So the two things that they see in those communities in those communities, you can be a great athlete, or you can be a great drug dealer. You know, we we got to show them what's in between those two, and uh, and how do you get out of those uh, out of the the hood, as I say, with your mind and not your body, and uh, we got to learn to develop the minds of our young people. And I, I would suggest that any person who uh, has never gone into an inner city public school to see how, uh, most of them don't have computers. Uh, the books are still from 1970. And, uh, instead of thinking about yourself, think about that child, uh, who doesn't really have a chance to succeed just based on what he's given. And he already feels cheated if he goes to another, another school just to see what they have. You know, it's little things like that, that, um, you know, we got to change at some point.
0: Thanks, Coach. Really appreciate this. Coach, thanks for coming on. We appreciate your time and your perspective, sharing it with us here for a few minutes this morning.
1: Well, I hope I didn't take up too much time. Nope, you really couldn't. And um, it's always a pleasure being on with you guys, and and. Um, you know, I, I love the state of Utah. I love the city of Salt Lake City. Um, my my eight years here have been, I have nothing but good things to say about it. And um, I, I, I wish everybody would, would come in. Uh, I tell every parent that I've ever recruited, come see it. It's not what you think it is. And, and that's one of the problems. We need to go see things so that we can get a real value, a real picture on what it really is and not what we think it is. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, it probably goes the same way. Uh, you know, I have, uh, I've been to Baltimore once very briefly, and I went to an Orioles game. So there I am, living, living my sportscaster stereotype. But I had a friend who went and taught in Baltimore and said, of all the things you don't know, one is that all the kids are taught not to get a drink at the drinking fountain at school because there's so much lead in the water. You know, and you didn't—you didn't even have time to get to that. You listed a whole bunch that would of things, be correct? Right, <laughs> things you take for granted, being able to get a drink of water at school just because you're thirsty on a hot. See,
1: day. now I know that you've really been to Baltimore. Yeah, <laughs> that, that much i know because you do not drink the water from the south. Yeah, that's—that's uh, that's really good. Well, I—I I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll get through this, and we'll get through COVID nineteen, and and um, man, as soon as we get back to. They're having football and I can go back into the office. I'm going to be really excited,
0: <laughs> Coach. Thanks for a few minutes. We
1: really appreciate it. Hey, thank you,
0: guys.